we want to really focus on communion today, not just in talking about it, but in actually uh, participating in the act of communion today. And part of and and someday someday we'll, we'll we'll be able to talk about things without making any reference to the word pandemic or COVID. That's coming soon. Uh, I just know in my heart. But uh, uh, COVID and pandemic just changed the way we did communion. So today we're back to the old way of doing it, but we're going to put a little more emphasis on it. As many of you already know, we're in the process of of uh, introducing a revised constitution bylaws. It's really a, a, a more in keeping with the way we've been doing things for a while, quite a while, many, many years, but the constitution bylaws hadn't been, re, hadn't been touched for like 45 years. So uh, we moved on and did things differently, and so uh, you know what they say about constitution bylaws, they don't matter till they matter. <laughs> so. They're, they're kind of boring and tedious, but uh, as, as I said the other day, Mike Seaver actually in a, a board of trustees meetings and after going through it many, many hours together, and, and uh, I, I've spent about two years on it myself, and Brandy Gaudet helped me a lot on it, and an attorney, we had to look things over and all that, and so um, he, he said, I think you should do a sermon series, and so I belled out on the sermon series, and I'm really glad I did, I don't know if you're glad, but I hope you are too. I'm certainly glad I did because I'm realizing uh, what's at the foundation of your church is so important. And everything else is you build on the foundation. That's important too. But foundation is so important. So I'm really excited about today. And I, I've never preached a sermon like this in ever. And uh, never thought I would feel so excited about it, I guess. That's maybe the reason I didn't. But a part of our Constitution bylaws, and, and pardon me, I, I actually forgot to put it in my notes, that section of the Constitution bylaws. But I will just tell you, part of the section of our Constitution bylaws is called the sacraments. And it's the things that, the word, the word sacrament, uh, 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 not a biblical word, it's a good word, it's a useful word, and simply means that which is sacred. So if you come from a Roman Catholic background, sacramental church, you had seven. One list I saw, seven sacraments. We have, we have three, and uh, we're going to talk about them today. The three that we have is uh, communion, water baptism, and we've added marriage as a sacrament. So uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 42, and I cannot, for some reason, I cannot preach unless my shoes are tied. And they have to be tied tight. I don't know. I always retie my shoes. If you watch me, and I forgot today. I was, I'm all out of sync because we don't usually preach this one service. So I always retie my shoes before I come up. I don't know, like I'm going to run around or something. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. This is the early church. And think about this as we preach today. Think about this is the foundation of our fellowship. And it's easy to go, oh, we're just like everybody else. We're like every other church. Who wants to be the tenth lemonade stand in a row of ten lemonade stands? No, God has made us different. We have, we have an emphasis here. and I, I hope that you don't wake up and go, I don't fit here. <laughs> but if that's, if that's the case, then I'm, then I'm doing you a favor, that you fit somewhere else. And I, I don't think you fit, so I think you fit right here, so I'm not trying to run you off. But uh, I, think, I think the opposite's going to happen. I think many of you are going to go, yes, this is what I really feel 
Because to the best of my ability, it's based on the Word of God. Everybody say, Word of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church. So there you have it, baptism. They were baptized, added to the church, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. There's the second one. And to prayer. Now, marriage is not mentioned here, but I will go to another passage that includes marriage. The kingdom of heaven, Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. And I could tell you many other verses on both of these, of the other two sacraments, but we'll stop there. As I said, the meaning of the word sacrament is some things that are sacred. It's not a biblical word, but it's a good word. Uh, a, a, a great leader of the church, uh, thousands of years ago was named Augustine and he defined the sacraments in history as outward visible signs of an inward, an inward and supernatural action. Uh, he made it possible for people to think of them subsequently in terms of signs or symbols, external elements that point to a reality beyond themselves. I, that, Think about that for a minute. That's really important today that we think about that. External elements which point to a reality beyond themselves. A marriage, for instance, and one of the reasons we, we decided to put marriage in there is marriage is a human object, less, uh, object lesson of a divine relationship. And uh, I know I'm looking down at uh, the butlers here this morning. We did your wedding how many years ago now? 19, 19 years ago, and I probably said that during the ceremony. Marriage is a divine, as a human object lesson of a divine relationship. So when we go to a wedding, we should be thinking about the relationship of Jesus Christ and the church that will culminate in what the scripture calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's a very important thing for us to believe and to know. And what power, that, that idea has such so much power. And, and, and this is what I want us to do. I want us to see these elements and the, the, the communion and the cup and the bread and the wine and, and, the, and water baptism. I want us to be able to look beyond them to see the power that is beyond them is really what's important. Um, the, uh, some people will confuse the sign with the reality. And you get, when you do that, and I, I respect that, I do. But you, you're really getting into some mysterious magic. Mysterious magic. When, 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 when the sign itself is where the power is. When, 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 when the magic happens by re just, just because you received the cup. Or just because you took the bread. That, or just because you, you got dunked in the baptismal tank. That just that act, something magical happened. And we don't, we don't see that in the Bible. That something necessarily magically happens because you receive the cup or you eat the bread or you're dunked in the baptismal tank. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, would, it would be kind of, it, to, to see that the power is in the act itself would be like uh, uh, getting on Interstate 95 down here and seeing the sign to New York and saying, calling out, well, I'm in New York. No, you're not in New York. You just saw the sign to New York. You just know that New York is, is down the road. You know that New York exists 
you know, even, uh, even, even, uh, uh, even reading the Bible doesn't have a magical impact. There's wonderful things in the scripture, but you can read the Bible and nothing happened to you just by reading the Bible. Uh, the, the, the scriptures talks about people in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 who said, for we also, for also, we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. So, He's saying there's nothing magical about having your daily Bible reading if you don't mix it with faith. Um, you know, the thing about these sacraments, and, and back to the road sign analogy, the sacraments are powerful. I, I, think we, I think they're more powerful when you go beyond the magical to the reality beyond the sacraments. Sacraments are powerful reminders of three things. God's presence. God's purpose, and God's patterns. I believe we ignore God's presence, God's purpose, and patterns to our detriment. For instance, communion. When you think of communion, when you take communion, you should be thinking of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You know the death, burial, and, re death, burial, and resurrection are, are a pattern for your life. It's not just uh, something that you tip your hat to and say, I'm glad you died for my sins, which that, that's good to do, by the way. We want to do that. But it's even more than that. Death, burial, and resurrection is a pattern for your life. If you really understand that pattern, you will, not get, you will likely not get, not get quite as discouraged when you have a setback and when you have a problem. And when a relationship that starts good starts to get complicated... If you don't know that that's God's pattern, you will not hang in there for the complicated part of the relationship because intimacy in a relationship occurs after the conflict, after you get real with one another because sometimes clarity is more important than agreement. But how many of you know clarity often creates a storm when you find out what she really thinks? <laughs> when you find out what he really likes. Your relationship, you want the relationship to be great, you work through the conflict, and the tunnel of conflict leads to intimacy. That's, that's a pattern throughout all of life. And if you know it, so when we receive communion, it reminds you, whatever you're going through in life, and, and how many of you, we're always going through something, you know, always. And I heard a guy say years ago, if you want to go to a, the pastor's conference, and I don't know if this is true of regular people, but pastors conference you want to get to know other pastors you get there you go to these conferences and you go to them probably in your work and they, everybody wears name tags right and say so you get the person's name maybe this will work for insurance and engineers and real estate people too I don't know but uh, but uh, you you look at their name tag and you get about 10 feet from them and you say hey you don't know them though right you say hey Bill how's that situation Every, everybody's got a situation right so when you, when you, when you have the, the cross as a pattern for your life, and it's not just this magical object. See, we, we, don't, we don't believe here that objects are magical. As wonderful as the cross is, it's not a magical talisman. It's not a lucky charm. It's the meaning is in the reality. Can somebody say amen today? I like the reality. So... 
the reformers, as we call them, that's the people who, when the church was really going off the rails and doing all kinds of stuff that they shouldn't have been doing back in the 1500s, the reformers, people we call the reformers, always said there should be no celebration of the sacrament without the preaching of the word. Because what you have verbally in scripture, it, you have visibly in the sacraments. That's why the furnishings in our church, that's why the, the, the preaching of the word occurs in the center of the room in our church. And I'm not criticizing anybody else. I'm not saying they don't love the word. Please don't say that. I said that. But we put the, we put the pulpit or the object, now we have a table, like the old days, we had a massive wooden pulpit that could be a boat anchor, you know, for, a, for the Queen Mary. And, and now we have a little table. And that's why we don't have it off to the side. Because the preaching of the word, everything yields to the word of God. And, and that's, that's the imagery we want to send. So let's get into this. Why are the sacraments important? First of all, they're an instruction in which we obey Christ. In a sense, when it comes to the direction, the who matters more than the what. Here I said, the who matters more than the what. Jesus told us to receive communion. As often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus said that we're to be baptized in water. The, the elevation of human reasoning above the Lord's uh, is, uh, is, uh, obvious credibility is the spiritual death, I believe, of the Western church. You see, once you get to know who Jesus is, you obey and then you understand. Western minds and reasoning that began with the Enlightenment says that I will obey when I understand. But first of all, if I believe Jesus is who he says he is, if he says that um, uh, eating jalapeno peppers was a sacrament, that's what I would do. Well, that's just how, that's how into Jesus that I am. <laughs> I kind of like jalapenos too, so that wouldn't be a bad deal, right? When we don't, let, let me listen to me, when we don't actually trust him, we, sent, we insist on understanding before we obey. Then, you know what? We don't really have faith. And there's a difference between blind faith and real faith. That's what we, we have. Uh, Alistair Begg, who, 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 who's a lot of this message today came from Alistair Begg. I need to give him credit. He said, if these sacraments were merely a human tradition, they would be optional. Now, you can inherit eternal life without taking communion or being baptized in water, which is good news for the thief on the cross. However, when we do these things, we're reminding everyone that we do what Christ asks us to do. We're a church that does what Jesus asks us to do. We don't, we, we don't have holy furniture, sacred artifacts, or supernatural symbols, but we do what Jesus asks us to do. Even the physical Bible carries no mystical aura, but the words and messages and stories of Scripture are holy, sacred, and packed with the supernatural when they are obeyed. Everyone, therefore, who hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. The Passover lamb was, was first introduced to the nation of Israel and uh, they were when they were prepared to break free from Egyptian bondage. And this is what we celebrate most clearly when we partake of the bread and the wine. This is no less 
This is no less what we're celebrating when we submit to the waters of baptism. Even a wedding ceremony is a visual of the triumph of the Lamb and the union with the church at the culmination of all things. So that brings us to the second point. The sacraments are a proclamation in which we preach Christ. So, since God in his wisdom saw to it, the Bible says, that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolishness Foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it is all nonsense. So the significance of the sacrament is this. The significance of the sacraments and their symbolism is that we are all too weak to rescue ourselves from our own sinfulness. We require redemption. Alistair Begg said, the slain lamb was a concession, concession to our frailty so that God would set before us the symbol of the reality of his rescue and redeeming grace. To say we, by the way, to say we preach Christ is not, does not indicate just an observance of an occasional ceremony. But to proclaim Christ as the all-sufficient Christ, uh, the all-sufficient sacrifice to save us from sinfulness, uh, makes sacrifice the guiding principle in our lives to every dimension of our lives. So we don't, we don't just preach that he died on the cross to save us. We preach that his life was the ideal human life. We preach that the principles that he taught were the, were the principles that we should all be living our life by. So we are people of Christ. We are followers of Christ. We are, we are a Jesus community. Amen? Every believer, early believers were called followers of the way, and Christ had made it clear, I am the way. There's a lot to unpack in making Jesus your ideal. And if you are wise, you'll spend the rest of your life figuring it out. Thirdly, the sacraments are a, a commemoration in which we remember Christ. So, just a little bit of recap now. The sacraments are an in instruction in which we obey. They're a commemoration in which we remember Christ. And they're a proclamation in which we preach Christ. Uh, uh, and they're a commemoration in which we remember Christ, I meant to say. Now, I said a minute ago, the Passover lamb was first introduced to the nation of Israel when they were preparing to break free from Egyptian bondage. And remember this story? Some of you remember, maybe you don't, but uh, they had to kill a lamb. And they were to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost of their house. And the angel of death came through the land, and all who did not have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, their eldest child, died because they didn't have the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. And uh, there's a lot there. We won't unpack that today. But this is what we celebrate most clearly when we partake of the bread and the wine. Uh, and this is what we celebrate clearly. We're celebrating the Lamb of God. So that Lamb that they would sacrifice every year reminded them of what had happened in the past. It reminded them that they were redeemed. It reminded them that they were rescued from, from Egypt, which is a type of sin. So every time we take communion, it's a reminder, it's a moment of praise, and it's a moment of thanks.
that you have been rescued from the consequences of sin. You've been rescued from the consequences of death. You've been rescued from Satan's plan for your life. You've been rescued from his plan to make you a slave and to keep you in slavery. You are celebrating your freedom And you're also celebrating the culmination of that freedom in the freedom of all of the world and all of society. That God, I want you to know this gospel is a social gospel in the the most profound way it's a social gospel. Now, uh, if if you notice what would happen in the Old Testament, and uh, I'll paraphrase it, a father would, would be asked by his child, Father, why are we doing this? And the father would say, now I want you to explain this to your children. I want you to remind them that they were redeemed by my outstretched hand. When your child comes to you and says, Father, what do you mean by this service? The father has to reply in accordance with the truth and God's word. So, by the way, Christ is in all the sacrifices. They had all kinds of sacrifices, not just the atoning of their sin. They had peace offerings. They had wave offerings of praise. So Christ is are all in all. He's everything to us. He is the center of the church. He is everything. So when we celebrate the sacraments, we're celebrating our very reason for being. Mark chapter 4, I just want to go through some verses here that talk about the Passover lamb and how central that is to what we do. Mark chapter 14, verse 12, on the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we are not redeemed with gold or silver, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Matthew chapter 26, verse 2, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. And then Matthew 26, 26, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after blessing, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, the plain fact is that the bull and the goat blood can't get rid of sin. That is what is meant by this prophecy, put in the mouth of Christ. You don't want sacrifices and offerings year after year. He's talking about the Father. You've prepared a body for me to sacrifice. It's not fragrance and smoke from the altar that you're, that's whet your appetite. So I said, I'm here to do it your way. This is Jesus talking. I'm here to do it your way, O God. The way is prescribed in your book. So, so, so Jesus in his obedience to the Father was, was, was doing it to save you and to save his church. Now, number four in the reasons that we celebrate the sacraments, it's, it's a participation in which we feed on Christ. This is very important. Now, several years ago, Anna Erickson was a lunch lady at a school in Sweden. And she was an incredible cook. And so she would fix vegetables for the students and fresh baked bread. And uh, the school board heard about it and, and, and told her that her cooking was just too good. She had to stop. Well, the municipality, municipality ordered her to bring it down a notch. Since other schools could, did not receive the same caliber of food, it wasn't fair. Well, I'm going to tell you, the rest of the world is feeding on inferior ideas right now. And you have Jesus. And it's not fair. 
because you have a, a, a better diet for your mind than is being consumed by the average person in the world today. And so you need to understand this. As you well know, I think it's a mistake to make no attempt to understand the culture around us. You know that. I'm like that. Uh, especially if you have children. You need to understand the world around you. The Bible says the men of Issachar understood the times and knew what to do. So I think that's important. The prophets, Jesus, Paul, were all students and interpreters of their societies. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith has done me much evil. Avoid him. So they, those were societal understandings and social understandings about what was going on, on. However, however, big however here. The sacraments remind us that we will become spiritually sick. Spiritually emaciated. And we'll develop all kinds of illnesses. We'll develop maybe spiritual arthritis or something or worse, or some spiritual form of cancer, if all we do is feed on cultural awareness and we don't feed on Jesus. And I think that's really important for us right now. It's really important for me to hear because we're bombarded with these stories day after day and these visions of what's happening in the world around us. You've got to shut it off and feed on Jesus. Amen? And that's what we're here to do today. We're here today not to explain the world. We're here today not to figure out how to respond to it. We're here to say that Jesus is the ultimate and he's got the whole world in his hands. And we're here today to pro proclaim that Jesus has, has revealed his plan, his plan for world domination. He's revealed his plan for utopia. And I'm trusting his plan. How about you? Right. Amen? <laughs> Number five, in anticipation, this is a Good segue, right? In anticipation in which we wait for Christ. We celebrate the sacraments, water baptism, communion, that we're going to do in just a few minutes. And we look at the sacred, sacredness of marriage in anticipation in which we wait for Christ. And finally, it's an anticipation for whatever you eat. Whenever you eat this bread, listen to this. And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Oh, it's so easy when the world around us is so crazy. It's easy to forget that what we're really focused on is until he comes. So, so it, it, it's always that we're able to look back in thankfulness and able to look forward in anticipation. Actually, in the, uh, the wedding of Cana, where Jesus turned the water into wine, we have this wonderful reminder of looking back at the past in gratefulness and looking to the future in anticipation. Jesus' mother comes to him, and they've run out of wine, and he says, hey, here's my boy. Do whatever he says. Every mother's like that, right? Every, every mother whose child plays on dance basketball team is, that's my boy. You need to do what he says. <laughs> I'm that way with my kid. That's okay. That's okay. But so Jesus says to her this interesting statement. Woman. He sounds a little annoyed, doesn't it? He didn't say mom. You ever call your mom woman? I don't think I've... I think that might get you kind of slapped into another county or something. Call your mom woman. 
<laughs> he said, woman, maybe it's different in that culture. I don't know. He said, woman, my time has not yet come. Isn't that an interesting statement? His time had not yet come. In other words, Jesus is living for a moment in an hour that hasn't happened yet. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, living for what has not even happened yet. But we have incredible, credible evidence that it's happening, that it's going to happen. In fact, what's really interesting is, um, I think it's interesting, is at this, uh, this strange wedding reception, uh, the, uh, the, the guest went around and started to say, you know, uh, usually the longer the reception goes on, the more inferior the wine becomes. But in this wedding, this wedding reception, they've saved the best to last. Now that explains, and I, if we can only have our eyes of our understanding open and see that the whole, that explains the whole journey of Christian living. The whole journey of Christian living is that we, we look back in gratefulness because they, they took pots that were used for ceremonial cleansing. So, so that, 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 that is uh, indicative that you've been saved from your sins, that you've been washed by Christ's blood as he, as he filled him full of the symbol of his blood. He filled him full of the symbol of his blood supernaturally. And that reminds you, and, and you know, I don't know, if, do you ever have a moment where you think about something you did one time and just a boatload of shame comes over you? You just feel so embarrassed. I can't believe I did that. I, I, had, I had a moment like that a while back and thought about it. it was something when I was a teenager. And I felt, I felt so ashamed. I thought, I can't, you know, I had a bad moment. I, oh, God. Jesus fills the water pots with his cleansing blood for our lives. And we drink. I'm telling you, this is, this is psychologically so powerful. I hope you get it. This is psychologically so powerful that you drink of forgiveness. That you drink of redemption. That you, it, you drink of something more powerful than forgiveness. It's called justification. Just as if I've never sinned. Let that sink in for a moment, people. That's what you drink. But, but, because, he, he, because of what, what they said, he saved the best of life. Jesus was also telling us that that's the Christian journey. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Humans were destined to determine to have a doctrine, some doctrine of utopianism. It happens all the time, and we know about it. And that doctrine of utopianism, I don't think we can handle believing that everything can't be fixed. You'll either have complete faith in technology, socio-political ideologies, or you will have faith in Jesus. I'm putting my money on Jesus. You? I'm the only one. So, what we all agree on in principle, and this is not a small point, it's incredibly powerful. In the same realm as the personal relationship with Christ, 
tell us that the sacraments are to draw us to him, in that same principle, the, sac- the sacraments draw us to one another. <clears throat> we find this in, back in Acts 2.42. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. You know what the word fellowship there? Now, now we saw in the next verse, he said they, they partook in the Lord's Supper. Did you know the word fellowship and the Lord's Supper is the same Greek word? Koinonia. Koinonia means communion. So they devoted themselves to one another in communion, community. And then they got together and took communion. That is powerful. It's a very telling verse. And, and the inseparability of these two ideas is absolutely confirmed with violent certainty, I believe, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine and 20. If you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick among you, and some have even died. This is why. This is why it's critical that we make these elements and what they really mean, the foundation of our church. This is why we want it in our Constitution bylaws. We don't want to ever forget. We don't want to ever forget to observe the Lord's body until he comes. We don't want to ever forget that what's contained in the symbolism of these elements are what bind us to God and, and, and bind us to a, 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 a positive future, but they bind us to one another. And I hope you'll think of those things today when you receive communion as the worship team is going to lead you into these communion elements. And I hope if you've not crossed that line of faith that you will do so today and become a fully formed follower of Jesus Christ.